Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by the one and only Stanfield Hunting Outfitters 27. I don't know. A bunch of years. 20-ish years in business. Almost 30. Almost 30. It if depends you, what you technically called when the day we started. Well. The first day we got it to hunt, the first day we were in business. But anyways. We're getting lost on technicalities here. Big Honker Lodge, home of the Big Honker Lodge, home of the Big Honker Podcast. Check us out, www.stanfieldhunting.com, and holler at me for any specials, any dates that you'd be interested in. If you, uh, dove season, we still got some openings there, a couple weekends. Second weekend of dove season, I've got an opening. i got a weekend the fourth weekend of September. I can do a weekend. $450, you get a hunt all weekend, all your lodging, all your meals, hunt Friday afternoon, two hunts on Saturday, and hunt Sunday morning. 450 a person. The second weekend will have teal season, won't it? An yes. option? We're booked up on that teal hunt already. Well, sorry about that. So you can come out here and dove hunt, though. It's always a really good time. Yep. And uh, also, if you're wanting to waterfowl hunt, we are filling up fast. So, um, with Canada looking like it might not be open, the phones are definitely starting to ring. So, if you're wanting dates, you better give us a holler. Talk to Jeff, 940-658-3172. We are also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. They are the best silhouette that you can get out there. It is a worthy investment. They're light. They're durable. They work well. Five dozen in a bag, you can keep your trailer nice and neat. That's big to me now. The older that I get, the more I want to stay organized. Dive Bomb helps with that. They've got floaters coming out. Floaters are already out, actually. Uh, black and white silhouettes, which I'm really excited about getting my hands on. they got a lot of cool things going on over there at Dive Bomb. So check them out, divebombindustries.com. You can get everything set up for this coming waterfowl season. It is a couple months away, so you better get on it. Look them up, divebombindustries.com. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Bismuth. Hits like a freight train. I love it. It's a lifestyle. It's like shooting lead back in the day, Jeff says. It, it is. Exactly like it. Best stuff there is. You can, shoot, you can go back and shoot your 20 gauge, your 28 gauges, 410, whatever you want to do. That's bossshotshells.com. Yep. The cool thing about it is it's bringing the sub-gauge culture back. Yep. I like that. I'm not very good with sub-gauges. I'm good with 12. I'm, I don't I'm, know. That's pretty debatable. I'm adequate with 12. 28 gauges. But if that's your jam, man, look them up. BossShotShells.com. You don't have to sacrifice uh, sacrifice any power by shooting those sub-gauges. BossShotShells.com. And uh, Pacific Calls. They're great. They got uh, a little bit of everything. Duck calls, goose calls, snow calls, spec calls. One-stop shop. Uh, I will tell you, if you are in the market for a speckle belly call, I would give those guys a holler at PacificCustomCalls.com, or you can look them up. They're really active in our uh, podcast group, so if you need anything from them, they got a hell of a spec call. It's really, really easy to blow. Most spec calls, you got to fucking feel like you're going to blow an O-ring trying to operate it. Not with those. Not with those. Pacific Calls, um, can't say enough about them. So go check them out, PacificCustomCalls.com. And also, we are brought to you by Lucky Duck. If you're field duck hunting, you need spinners. The more, the merrier. Go to luckyduck.com. Get the spinners that you're going to need. Remote operated, so if you're hunting a field that's got both ducks and geese, hint, hint, if you hadn't listened to this podcast before, geese don't really like spinners. With the remotes on these Lucky Ducks, you can just turn them off whenever geese come. Flip them back on when the ducks get in the air. They've also got uh, dog boxes. Got it all. Predator calls, varmint calls, luckyduck.com. We're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club. Also have a podcast out. 
Bourbon Review, real popular. Looking Glass Duck Club. I think that's what it's called. Looking Glass Duck, Duck Club podcast. Yep. Logan Pyatt. They put on a good. They put on a good podcast. They're interesting. A lot They're of fun, fun to listen to. It's a, a man's. It's a man's podcast. So all you uh, protesting, sniveling little bitches out there in Seattle probably aren't listening to it. Not. Not. Not a. But you can look them up anywhere that you listen, wherever you listen to this podcast. You can find the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. They've also got a sweet little hoodie, jacket, some apparel. Uh, definitely check them out. A lot of fun. We're also brought to you by William and Chris Wines out there in high Texas. Texas-made wine. Skeleton key. Can't say enough about it. Pairs up nice with a big slab of red meat. Got the 4th of July coming up. Get your lady nice and tooted. They can ship it to you direct. Just look them up at williamandchris.com. Get your lady williamandchriswines.com. Williamandchriswines.com. Or if you're in high Texas, I think that they're starting to open back up. You can do a, a taste testing tour. We need to get out of this corona. Yes. Something fierce. And let's see here. Oh, J2 Outdoors, the ice ripper. It, no, no reason if you live up north. If you live north of Oklahoma anywhere in the country and it freezes and your water gets froze up there's no excuse all the money you spend on decoys leases and everything else to not have a couple of ice rippers cheap investment goes right in keeps your honey hole open no sense in letting mother nature end your season keep that bad boy going keep the water open best bait in the world open water if you got food around you got open water you'll have ducks and it's j2outdoors.com J2OutdoorsLLC.com. Finally, last but not least, we're brought to you by 14 Cattle Company. It's the way to go. You get a whole beef, half a beef, they're whatever selling, you want. They're selling to NFL players. I just saw where New England starting left tackle was at the place buying him. He, he bought him half a beef. No shit. Yep. Just 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 this week. If you're going to buy beef and you go to the grocery store, you're, over, you're paying way over them. Go order you a half a beef, a quarter of beef, a whole beef, have it delivered to you, or you can go pick it up package sealed ready to go you know what you're getting you can custom order what cut you want of the meat and that's 14cattlecompany.com look them up and uh great sponsor we're excited to get our beef we'll get our beef what in august late august yep it's the way to go people don't pay seven or eight dollars for hamburger meat just go to 14 cattle company get it sent right to you i think right now the going rate was about 650 a pound for the whole thing that stakes everything and hell that's cheaper than buying hamburger meat at a grocery store no shit yeah, and I may be wrong on the price, but that's about, I think that's what I saw the other day. All right, that is all of our great sponsors. We appreciate uh, every one of them, everything that they do for us. Okay, folks, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by the one and only Mr. Tony Vandemore, Habitat Flats. Uh, he's blowing and going right now, planting. Uh, he got all the all the crops in. Now it's managing moist soil, and sounds like it's a 365 day process there at Habitat Flats, but that's why they're one of the best. So uh, we get him on fun podcast. Always enjoy talking to him. Uh, shit, we run through a lot of topics. Good podcast. Hope everything's going well for everybody, and uh, we hope that you enjoy this episode. So here he is, Tony Vandemore.
All right, you ready, Jeff? Yep. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Lucky Duck. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver, and on the line today, we got uh, the one and only Mr. Tony Vandemore. Tony, how you doing? I'm good, fellas. How you guys doing? We're doing great. It's hotter than hell here. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you there. Hundred and... Texas hot, but we got some humidity right now. That's the one thing we don't have. It was 115 yesterday with the Satan's breath coming out of the south. We had a 30-mile-an-hour wind yesterday. It was absolutely miserable. Holy cow. Yep. Everything's better in Texas. That's <laughs> bullshit there when they tell you that crap. Maine is a lot better than Texas is in July and August. Man, that's crazy. Um, Last year at this time, Tony, we were talking flooding and water. Remember that? Oh, yeah. What a di- unfortunate. What a difference a year makes. Yeah, that's for sure. Everything uh, we're, we're forcing. We didn't have, we've had a few floods at the home lodge. Nothing, nothing too drastic this year. Not like last year, anyway. What, what? The, the, want to talk today about Canada because you guys run a big operation in Canada. What, what are your thoughts and what are, you, what are y'all's plans right now? I mean, we're just kind of right now. We're we're still planning on it, but it, it sure doesn't look good. I think the next time they're checking out the border is uh, what July twenty first, maybe. Yes. I believe so. So we're just kind of, kind of waiting on word, you know what I mean? Like everybody else. All dressed up, nowhere to go right now until they get that border open. It's a mess right now. And uh, Jeff threw out an interesting topic last night. You know, right now, when this all first broke, Texas imposed uh, – uh, people from Louisiana couldn't travel into Texas. So I'm worried that there's going to be just even interstate travel bans. If this continues at the rate that it's going, man, there, there sure could be. I hope not. I don't know what to think about the whole deal. Be honest with you. I well, mean, I think it's pretty political. Oh. I don't know how bad. I mean, I know obviously there's a threat there, um, but at some point, I mean, like my dad, my dad said, I mean, he's, you know, he's in his sixties and he's like, this isn't what I want to leave my kids, my grandkids. You know, a ruined economy and. Everybody's staying at home, the government taking over. He's like, at some point, you just got to open it up and, and go with the herd immunity thing and, you know, people that are at risk, keep distance and, and do your thing, but let it kind of go through the, the younger people, which kind of looks like what the second wave's doing right now. I, I think the um, it is a, it's a very deadly disease to a few people. It's horrible, and it's a very bad sickness, but 99% of the people, it's not going to affect much at all, and we're going to have to come to a we're going to have to come to a decision in our country where we're going to have to realize that just 1% of the people are going to get this and they may die from it, or less than 1%, and the other 99% can go live on. Otherwise, we're just going to sit in our houses forever. Because I don't until they get a vaccine for this, this ain't, it's not going to go away. No, I mean, until we get a vaccine or, or something, it's definitely not going away. Even then, it's not going to go away. We're going to have to have a vaccine. But, you know, the, the hunting thing and and what we do is, is one thing, but uh, I know y'all got young kids, or I think Andy does, maybe. Yep. I think yours are all, I said Jeff. Yeah, mine are all done and out the house. But man, that, that whole homeschooling thing, the, the, the kids might not get set back mentally if the parents are, are really doing their job and, and taking the homeschooling seriously, but the social part of it, man, it's just not good at all. Right. And... and- and our kids, your kids and mine included, they're at least around people at the hunting lodge. So, you know, they're getting some sort of interaction. There's a lot of kids in the inner city that just stay in a, a little apartment and 
you know, mom's got to catch two buses and a train to get to work. And, you know, they're not getting any sort of interaction on a daily basis. Not like they need. No, not at all. I mean, these kids are, they're, they're hurting for the social part of it. I know mine are. I mean, we, we live out the country. So there's, there's literally nothing else around outside of school and, you know, maybe go to the lake in the summer and see grandparents and stuff like that. There's no other kids around, nobody to play with. That's not good for them. No, it's not. Did you do see my kid? Uh, he would have we he would have been in pre K, and we didn't do pre K this year, so we didn't have to do the homeschooling. Did you have to homeschool this year? Were you a teacher? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was a mess. I mean, great. Our, our daughter's only in kindergarten, but uh, uh, my wife's got an MBA. You know, I got a degree from college, and my parents always took took school very serious, and, and so did I. So we could. You know, homeschool, and even though it was kindergarten, pretty serious. And she was doing a lot of advanced stuff, and really, I mean, it, mentally, she's doing fantastic uh, from the from the education part of it. But I mean, I, I don't know if we could do it again because you know, with a two year old, somebody has to be full time watching the little one while the other one's teaching. So <laughs> I'm taking the little one to do things that that I can do. You know, relatively close to the truck and the ranger, cutting out beaver dams, stuff like that. It's not like that was. I could just run out there and do anything I want to do work-wise. Yeah. Can you could you imagine having some – I raised three juvenile delinquent little fuckers, so I'd hate to have to be teaching them in high school ages. But could you imagine if your kids were 12 to 16 years old and you're having to teach them calculus and shit? My kids would have been screwed. Oh, my God. That'd be unreal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just – it would have been horrible. Kids are, The kids are the big losers on this, and small business owners are big losers, and – I don't. I don't think Canada is going to happen this year, just because I. Unless something happens real quick, I'm starting to worry now that there's going to be some states, and I'm going to throw California out there because they're easy to pick on because all their liberal leadership. But I wouldn't be surprised if the kid, the guys in California, don't even get a hunt this year, especially on public lands. Yeah, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's a it's a bad bad deal. And I don't use the. I mean, obviously vaccine, but I'm afraid being, especially being a you know election year, there's just a whole lot of political stuff that's really playing a bigger factor. Yeah, that's that's the worst part is that it's so political, and you don't know you don't know which way which way to really turn. I mean, that that's the worst part. If if we could just get a consensus from both sides, no matter what news article, no matter what news source you look at, if it was just the same story. Maybe it would squash a little bit of this fear, but shit, you watch Fox News and it's 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 fine, and you watch CNN and the world's falling. So I don't know what to do. It's all topsy turvy. How was your last? How was last hunting season? Did you guys have a good year? And yeah, last duck season was was incredible for us. It was one of our one of our best ever. We kind of had everything lined up. We had okay food, um, nothing drastic, but we opened a little bit later, and there were some big fronts up north. You know, the end of October, and we had a boatload of birds here before we even opened. And it got cold, had a little snow, a little skim ice, stuff like that, to get them here. And then it warmed up, and, and it, you know, a lot of them didn't leave. But you know, they don't have to when it's 50, 60 degrees and you got open water. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. So when uh, when was your best time last year? Was it right right as season opened? Was, were you all just blowing and going right then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we started shooting mallards day one. November was incredible. We had a couple of fairly good fronts to kind of push some birds out. Uh, not all of them by any means, but, you know, you'd lose 
fifty or a hundred thousand. It seemed like they'd kind of go south for a little bit, and then four or five days later, you catch another warm up, and back they come. So you shoot them coming back on the reverse, and and it just kind of kept that way throughout the season. You know, where you're you're kind of getting fresh birds kind of throughout the season. They, they're likely the same birds, but they're bouncing. 30, 40 miles south, and then coming back up, and, and it worked out pretty well. Now, what about last snow season for you guys? I know a lot of guys struggled. How was y'all's snow season? It was it was a lot better than the year before, but that didn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> overall, overall, it was still a still a tough year. Had a, had a lot of birds. I mean, weather wasn't great, but even on, on some good days when we had sun and wind, you get some monster spins going and, and have them quit at 60, 70 yards and a lot of adults. More adults this year again? Is it just not a good hatch, or are we not seeing the juvies like we used to? Are they around well, still, or what? From what I understand, last year they had a had a fantastic hatch, and like three or four days after the hatch, they had a big uh, snow and ice storm that killed them all. Oh. Okay. All the young ones. I mean, the the, the life of the snow goose is so fickle, especially up on the breeding grounds. I can't remember the exact science on it, but I want to say they have to be hatched in a 10-day window Jeez. to be able to have, have enough reserves to fly south before they freeze and fall. They have to be the they, they have to be going 10 days to store I, up enough I'm fat. pretty sure, yeah, 10 days, two weeks, something like that. It's a real small window where they have to hatch and, and have to... Because if they hatch later, then odds are they're not going to have enough strength and whatnot in the fall to make it south before they, they, they freeze, before the weather turns. Jeez. What, it's amazing. What is the uh, – have you heard anything? I, we had a guy from Canada on the other day, and he said they'd had a good hatch up there, but I know there's no really official numbers. Have you heard anything on the hatch for this season? You know, I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't heard anything official, but the weather looked – the weather looked so so um, like right during the hatch. I mean, there was some cold and some some ice and some snow, but since then it's looked pretty good. Uh, so if they if they were able to pull off a hatch, so far the the survivability looks looks pretty good on it. I know there's rumors that that they might take and fly one count, you know, later in the summer or something like that. And I'll be interested to to see what what takes place with that. What. So what was the official reason that they didn't? Could they not get people up into Canada to do the count, or did they just, because, I mean... They locked everything down. So they couldn't get Americans into Canada? Well, it's all Americans that are but, doing the count? But I think the American government, I think that just because the corona shit, they didn't want anybody exposed to each other. Yeah, I think it was all that, yeah, social distancing and not putting people out and just shutting everything down, and then obviously the border came after that, so... Now y'all do at y'all's lodge in Canada. Do y'all do meals and everything? What is the Canadian government? Have they talked to y'all about if they are open? What the situation will be with feeding your customers up there? Have no, had- man. It, it, it's just been like you're sitting in the dark. Uh, we've been working with the Saskatchewan Commission of Professional Outfitters and uh, getting a little bit of information there. And they, for a while, they seemed to think that the border would be open by fall. Did a lot of economic surveys. And I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was like seventy to ninety billion that Canada was going to lose by not having the border open through the fishing camps, the hunting camps, that sort of thing, just the recreational stuff. Um, that's a big, big number. But you know, I hate to get too political, but but Canada's very, very liberal, and uh, I don't, I don't know how much how much they care about it or how much they want it. 
See, I don't I don't think they give two shits about the hunt. The fishing surprises me. The hunting doesn't because of the gun aspect of the deal. But a guy told me yesterday they sell 300,000 out-of-country saltwater fishing deals for, I guess, the Vancouver area through there in a season that they've shut down. And if they're going to shut down 300,000 saltwater licenses, you know dang well there ain't nothing near that many waterfowl hunters go over there. No, no, not at all. I mean, the, the big poor fishing camp, I mean, I've been going up there since, like, 90, 1990. When I was real little fishing. My dad and uncles and I mean, a lot of these places, they're going to be gone. I mean, they, they rely solely on, on the American dollar when it comes to their fishing camps. Yeah, it's it's a mess. I mean, China has really uh, screwed over the world on this deal. Yeah, I never would have thought they could affect the hunting and fishing the way that they have. So, um, do y'all have a contingency? Y'all going to go somewhere else to hunt if y'all don't do Canada? Because I've heard different guys. Some guys say they're going to go to the Dakotas, which I know the Dakotas, you got to have a, an outfitter license to guide there. And uh, we, we, uh, we, we won't mess with it. Um, it'll just be what it is, a year where, where it's not open. Take a year to plenty of stuff we can get done around here, you know, have a have – have the guys down and, and knock a lot of stuff out here that we need to do when the crops come out. But it's just a, a crappy deal all the way around. Now, how long do you go on a typical year? Do you go up there for a week or two at a time? Yeah, I'll go up a couple of weeks. I mean, it gets harder, you know, with kids being younger. I didn't make it up last year. But, uh, you know, typically we're up, our guys are up there, you know, in the last week, August till, you know, last week, October, something like that. And what uh, what time of year do you go? Is there is there a certain window that you used to go to? I usually try to try to be here for Missouri's sixteen day teal season. I love shooting teal, and and uh, now with the Grand Lodge, it's harder to get away because you know there's a lot more crops to come out and a lot more water to be putting on and and stuff like that. So I don't know what I'll be doing in the future, but uh, I usually when I used to go, it'd be like the end of September, first part of October. That's kind of that's kind of a little sweet spot right there. Um, how was the grand this year? This was the first year open. How did it, how did it all work out? Yeah, it was it was so so. It had had some really good spots and had some really bad spots throughout the season. I mean, there, the Missouri River flood, the water didn't come off of it uh, until August. Really, I mean, actually, there was some water stayed on it all through the fall, so there was no crops anywhere in the Missouri River Valley, and. uh like ninety three, the ducks still stuck around and they they dry fielded, but this year they didn't. So you were, on they were the there. For, they'd be there for a few days and, and and get shot for a few days, and then they'd go on. And then you wait for the next batch. But not this year. No, this year it looks looks pretty strong. Um, were you mostly on? Did you uh, dry field hunt much last year? Or was it mainly on like water water puddles and stuff like that? Did, did both, uh, primarily over water, um, but we did shoot ladder drive fields also. Um, what, uh, mainly corn or what? Yeah, primarily corn. That's typically what they're hitting when they're coming through here. You know, we're starting to see corn down here more. Yes. Now, yeah. they, they chopped it all for silage, but we're not going to get anything out of it. But I can't believe that we're seeing corn in Texas now. Different varieties, different breeds. Hey, do you... uh? Your customers up there, do they, do they seem to like the dry field hunting more than the um, water hunts? Um, some do, some don't. I mean, we've got a 
pretty big variety of people that, that come through here from, you know, advanced guys that a lot of, a lot of really good hunters that have, you know, their own properties in other parts of the country. They want to extend their season or start their season early. And then we get some that, you know, aren't as experienced and, you know, they, they like to see everything. It's nice to be able to show them different habitat every day, you know, whether it's managed more soil marshes or, you know, flooded ag fields, flooded timber, dry fields, stuff like that. I bet your guides like the dry fields a lot better than not having to jack with waders. Man, you, you would think so. They, I think kind of the waterfowl all across the, you know, the, the whole waterfowl, you have guys that really, really dig it and guys that that aren't as, as psyched up about it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like to do it. I like to see the big bunches. Um but I don't need to do it every day. I mean, if I had if I had to choose, I want to hunt water. That's just kind of what I've grown up hunting, and I like hunting around the trees and timber and stuff like that. But we do have we do have some guys that they're like, man, if there's dry field available, I want to do that. <laughs> I would be I would be that guy. I I'd, hate I hate waders. <laughs> they always they always end up leaking, no matter what. It doesn't seem to matter. But you're hard on them. Every, you know you wear them like you do and you're going to punch a hole in them there's two types of waders those that don't leak and those that are about to leak so you got to yeah for sure without question i mean i basically i figured out long long ago that i mean you just got to buy a couple pairs of season i mean it's just gonna happen that's yeah part of it and if you're wearing them you're hard on them maybe you can baby them and you know only step in certain spots and all that but that in reality that's not how it works <laughs> How's 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 the pooch doing? How's how's Kai? Man, he's doing he's doing great. He turned seven in February. He's still got still got a lot of fire. Really, really strong. I mean, he does a great job. Um, he's gonna start slowing down here for long. I need to get another one going. My dog is also seven twenty. Shit, I can't remember. Yeah, he's seven. He's seven. I don't know. When are you gonna start your new dog? I would say here within the next six months or a year. Oh, really? That soon, huh? Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, they, you know how it is. They go every day, and probably some of that gets cold up here. It really takes a toll on them. I think they get arthritis a lot quicker. That and the, the snow goose game, I mean, just lots of miles through the mud. It, it really takes a toll on them. My old dog, and Kai, he can't really hear anything now to speak of. Um, my old dog Ralph was the same way. He was deaf at like six, but he really starts slowing down hard at like ten. Ten? Yeah, nine, nine to ten. I mean, I could tell when he's sitting on the stand. You know, he's always shivering and, and it's excitement. But he got nine, ten. You could tell it was he was cold. He had trouble had trouble staying warm. Just got old. That arthritis kicks in. Do you have you have you watched that video of, of Ruff in the last? Uh, have you watched it recently or not? Or do you do you not even watch it? No, I, I watched it. It was probably three or four months ago. Uh, oh, I did. Man, that, that old dog was something else. Was was he your first really good dog? Yeah. Yep. And he was he was your buddy. He's the one you took everywhere. Yeah, hell, I took him everywhere. He was back then. I was still doing commercial insurance when he was real little and heck he'd come to the office sleep under my desk had appointments whatever girls giving him biscuits and he went everywhere plus i was single so i had time right right 
Yeah, hi, Lou, the one I have now, he's my first, he's my first dog, really, and it's, it's going to be a, a tough day whenever, uh, whenever he leaves, so I'm just, he's a pain in the ass, he's in the house, he, he takes out the wife's underwear, he ate the kid's breakfast right off the plate this morning, <laughs> but I'm going to miss him when he's gone, I'm going to miss all the headaches. Yeah, for sure, I mean, they become, I mean, they're just part of the family as kids now, you know? And now my five-year-old is going through a weird stage where he's afraid of everything at night. There's monsters everywhere. So we have moved the dog into his bedroom, and now he's a, he's also an attack dog right now. So he, <laughs> that's awesome. He's a, he's a part of the family. But that that freaking video of of Ruff, it gets you every time. It does. It still gets me. Um, yeah. I, I just I can't watch it, but. I've I've seen it one time and that and that was enough. I got the gist, and I don't like to be sad. Hey, hey, Tony. Business wise, have you seen a have we we lost some business because of the corona? Have y'all seen the same thing with y'all? Yeah, right when it, right when it came out, uh, we lost a few groups here and there, but but overall, I mean, spots have been filled and bookings are are still really good. Um, but there's still a lot of uncertainty going forward too. You know. Yeah, I've had the I had the first guy the other day made me act, really go down what we would do if the corona come back in the fall. I mean, he was adamant. I said, "Listen, here's the deal: if it comes back, we'll move your deposit back. You'll do that?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "If they won't let you get here, I can't. I mean, we, that's just the way it's going to be." But I mean, he was adamant about it, and I mean, I was like, "That's what we, that's our policy on it." I said, "We don't have a written policy because we've never had to deal with this before." And, yeah, I mean, we're the same way. Yeah, and I, and I've lost. We lost some groups early. I lost some big corporate groups, and I've I've gotten some of them back. They're starting. To, I've noticed a couple of them guys are starting to call back now. But you know, big companies they they're laying off a bunch of people. They're not going to spend a lot of money hunting right now, and I understand that. Yeah, hundred percent. And then uh, you know, on the on the flip side, if, if this border doesn't open, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people looking to do something. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that that still. Aren't sold on, and not necessarily sold on the coronavirus thing, but they know that the odds of it, you know, becoming critically ill are probably not that good. I mean, you come to Missouri, and very few people are wearing masks anymore. Our cases aren't exactly skyrocketing by any means. Um, but we're doing a lot of things like working with our lodge managers, trying to get plans in place to, you know, what are what are we going to do different? You know, maybe serve dinner in in a couple of shifts where the tables aren't so full. Right. Uh, you know, more, you know, having the girls on a, on a very tight regimen as far as vacuum cleaning and stuff like that, you know, every hour instead of every three hours, whatever it is, you know, hand sanitizers and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think people that, they want to travel and are comfortable with it are going to do it. I mean, I, I don't think that they're worried about the coronavirus. So, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, do you think do you think that it it's horseshit a little bit of it? Do you believe every bit of it? Because you sit on a tractor all day long, so I'm sure your mind wanders. What are the what are the what's the inner mind of Tony Vandemore think about all this? I think there's there's definitely a a major threat there uh, to a I wouldn't say a small population of people, but to a, a specific specific population of people, you know, the older folks, people with underlying health conditions. Uh, I think at some point, I mean, 
Oh, look how many people get sick from the flu and die from the flu every year. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you just got to let it. I mean, it's going to be what it's going to be. I mean, we can't shut down the, the best economy in the world and go into hiding. I mean, that, that's not what that's not for about. I mean, I know we, we take it pretty serious and uh, didn't do anything for two or three months. And, dude, I was going to stir crazy. I mean, we're lucky we live in the country. We still go outside and go ride around the farms. And girls can play outside and do this and that. But... You know, not being able to go see your grandparents, and, you know, not you know, not going to a restaurant or, or something like that. It's just it's crazy. I mean, that, it, it makes me feel like we're we're living in a in a communist nation where they tell you what you can do and what you can't. I mean, yeah. I mean, not, not about it. At some point, we need to. If it's going to be what's going to be, open up and uh, people that need to to social distance definitely need to do that. You still need to be aware i don't know that we'll ever be back to the way it was before coronavirus you know as far as like shaking hands and you know hugging people and seeing old friends and all that stuff but at some point you know it, it's got to come back yeah and i think i think we're all uh in agreement there the people that need to isolate should isolate but long term it's not a solution to just board up everything and hole away in your house it's not a long-term solution uh this turkey season you know we kind of texas shut down right in april so we we moved all of our turkey hunters and uh it was may before we finally did a turkey turkey hunt here and by that time the turkeys were pretty much done but it was weird like you know they're, they're telling you not to shake hands and stuff like that so i don't think i shook a hand uh this whole turkey season with any of the people that came out here it was weird it was a really weird year um, yeah, just turkey season, just turkey hunting wise. I agree with you, and just in, in life in general. I mean, it's like sitting around and and you know you, you run into somebody at the gas station, uh, an old timer that you love to talk to and love to hear the stories, and and now you're like, uh, wait, that talk or <laughs> and you not want to. It's just, it just makes everybody socially awkward. Yeah, yeah, it it, it really does, and. uh so I can't imagine what it's going to be like because we start dove season here September 1, about six weeks away, and then teal season after that, we're going to have a packed house, and I don't know what it's going to look like. There's going to be different camps of people out there. You know, most of the time we have 60 people in the in the, in the the chow hall, and shit, maybe you're, maybe you're on to something. Maybe we should serve in shifts. Maybe maybe we should serve outside. Yeah, I don't know. We kind of thought about. I mean, I still don't think that anybody that's willing to travel is, is going to be worried about it. But I mean, maybe we put put something out there at lunch, like a sign up sheet. Hey, he wants to eat at six o'clock. He wants to eat at seven o'clock. Uh, something, something like that. All right. I think you know. I think I think you'll know pretty quick who's worried about it, who isn't, because the emails and the texts and the phone calls will really start pouring in the, the week or two before they're supposed to come. The, and that's kind of the scariest part is that unknown. I mean, bookings are great right now, but I mean it could it could change pretty quick. The the city a lot of it's not until last minute to where they're gonna be hard to sell, you know. The the city people are a lot more concerned than the country people because we live out in the middle of nowhere and other than not being able to go anywhere, our life wasn't much different around town and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we we had restaurants we couldn't they were just takeout only. But other than the food deal and us being not, not be able to go on vacation somewhere to something, it wasn't that different. The people I think that come in or that are from the country, 
I chased tornadoes, so I'm in the country a lot to different towns than I was in April. And the little towns everywhere I'd go to, it was the same as here. But the big city people, you know, that's the people you'd see on the side of the road wearing a damn mask on a tornado and stuff. Because that's just, it is in their, their mentality now. They have to have a mask everywhere they go. But the small town people aren't that way. Are, are, are people in your small town, do very many of them wear a mask? No, man, very, very, very few. Uh, I actually got two of them sitting on my on the dash of my truck. I was the only one that did any grocery shopping or anything like that during the whole thing when everything was on lockdown. I mean, I'll still put one on if I go into Walmart or something just for the unknown. I mean, am I going to put somebody else at risk? I'm not personally all that worried about it for myself, but am I, am I doing something that's going to put somebody else at risk? So I'll still throw one on. Be- do you look around first? Because every time I'm going to go somewhere, I look to see if everybody else has got them on before I put mine on. No, I still feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, I look around, make sure, well, they think I've got fucking something wrong with me if I'm wearing one and nobody else is. Yeah, it's such a foreign feeling. Yeah. Uh, I know, I one of our buddies and, and guys I've hunted with him 25 years, he's got a couple of really, really nice restaurants. And uh, does some cooking at the lodge and all that. He sent me an article, uh, I think it was a week ago, maybe, or a week and a half, that um, came out from uh, one of the restaurant associations he's a member of. And it was it was pretty interesting. Um, it kind of backed, backed down on a lot of the original things that they were saying, you know, like how you're going to catch coronavirus and, and all this stuff. And basically, this article, they had three of the top virologists in the country and and they were saying, do you have to close your restaurant down if one of your employees gets gets corona? And and they were saying not necessarily. There's there's steps you got to take, you know, sanitize and all that. But anyway, long story short, what what I found interesting in that article is it said from an employee standpoint. Now what they're looking at as far as if you had potential to be infected was you had to be within six feet of somebody for 15 consecutive minutes. Hmm. Not just a, a period of 15 minutes throughout an hour, but 15 consecutive minutes. And I read that, and I'm kind of, you know, thinking to myself, well, that's that's not terrible. I mean, our 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 staff is always moving. I mean, nobody's standing within six feet of somebody for 15 straight minutes. I mean, nobody's standing still for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gave me, a, I guess, a, a breath of fresh air. Now, whether or not that's the case, I don't know. I'm sure you can find another article that says the exact opposite. <laughs> Uh, that's part of this, this whole deal that's so hard to swallow is there's just so many unknowns. I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? I mean, which, which channel, which news channel are you listening to? One says do this, the other says do the exact opposite. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. Don't, don't it surprise you, though, like you said, three of the top virologists said that and then you look over and then there's a guy like Fauci that's complete opposite of that that would help so so much in the country if the top people could all get together and tell us one thing without one group saying you don't need to wear a mask and you can do this and that and the other ones you have to wear a mask and you can't be around anybody yeah you see that deal Trump was talking about the other day uh, that, that, that makes you really wonder like how much of this is just BS they tested a bunch of different stuff. I think it was like Tanzania or something like that. Uh, and there was a bird that tested positive for coronavirus, a <laughs> sheep, and a papaya. A, a damn fruit. A papaya. <laughs> positive for coronavirus. So 
that leads me to believe that something's extremely screwed up, whether it's the testing or the numbers or the people reading the test. Like, maybe they're, they're wanting it to come out one way as opposed to the other. I mean, I don't know, but it, it, makes, it, it makes it hard to, to really, I wouldn't say buy into it. It makes it hard to, to believe, you know, how bad it is and all that. Yeah. Um, we, we know some people or we heard a story that they were sending just blank, blank swabs back. They got the swabs. They wouldn't swab anybody and they would just send it back and they were coming back positive. Just empty. Swabs. Yeah, that's crazy. And I know, I mean, I don't know if you guys know people that, that have been affected. I mean, I do. I know several, uh, that they got it. One of them, one of them was an elderly couple. I mean, they're in their seventies. And the son lived with him. He's in his 40s and kind of helps him. And the dad got it and had a fever for a couple of days. You know, nothing respiratory. They didn't change anything. Still slept in bed with his wife and, and all that stuff. And, and nobody else in the house got it. And if it's that, if it's that contagious, I find it hard to believe that it wouldn't run through a you know a small household where everybody's sitting together, eating eat dinner, sleeping together at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, we know a couple here, same type deal. They're not they're not quite as old, but husband got it. They're in their sixties. And they're in their sixties. Husband got it, living in the same household. Wife did not get it. So And he wasn't sick real bad. He was sick, but just kind of the He had a fever. Fever and sore throat, and that was it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've known I'll probably know ten people that have that have got it. I don't know anybody that had any serious implications other than being tired and having an off and on fever for a few days. I I know some people that have that have had some friends that have passed away from it, and I know some I know a really close person friend of mine that works around people, and he said the shit's bad. He said the people that get the bad version of it, it is bad. Now, ninety nine point nine percent of us don't get that version, but he said the people that do get that, it's bad, 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 and that's the problem that makes it so. But if you die from the flu, then you got, you had it bad, too. So it works both ways. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, they're, they're certainly not taking anything away from it. Because for those people that, that get it bad, it, it's horrible. Yes. Uh, but it's just it's so hard to tell what, how, what, the, you know, what the chances are of, of you getting it bad or getting it. or what. I mean, I, I don't even know what to believe anymore. Yeah. So do you do anything for your immune system? I mean, you go seven days a week like, like I do, and it seems like there's always a period during hunting season where it catches me. I get worn down, and I get sick. Do you get sick every hunting season, or do you uh, do you take care of yourself? Not generally. I mean, there might be a two- or three-day period where I'll get something in my chest or something like that. Um, I think I, mean, I, I just take a, a vitamin every day. I don't know if it does anything or not. Uh, drink a lot of coffee, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, there's the fresh air, the sunshine, being around germs. I think helps your immune system. That's one of the things. Like father-in-law's doctor, and, and he's like, "This is going to be bad having people hold up for two or three months and, and trying to stay away from any and all germs because that's not how your immune system works." Right. You need to be exposed to that stuff to keep your immune system up. When you're not, your immune system is going the other way. Right. Yeah, I heard something similar. Like all this hand sanitizer, you're actually just you're you're robbing your body of building up any immunities to you know the common cold or anything anything like that. So I just I didn't know what you do during hunting season if you're taking a, a big 
big vitamin regimen or if you just got good genetics and don't have to worry about yeah. that kind of stuff? I'll take vitamin. Now, there'll be days, like, if I feel something coming on, you know, that emergency stuff. Yeah. I'll take take a pack of that every morning for a week or something like that. But uh, if I feel something, feel like I'm not all there. But for the most part, I get pretty lucky. There might be, I shouldn't say I don't get sick. I mean, usually usually somewhere around snow season, I'll go through a four- or five-day period where I just feel like garbage, but trying to push through it i couldn't imagine that what what are your hours what's a typical snow goose hunt for for tony vandemore what what time are you up what time do you finally get to go to bed what does that look like man every day is different like if we're down in arkansas where we're we're setting two spreads every day you know a lot of times just count until dark and then after dark you're walking out in the field to see if you're going to be able to get a four-wheeler out there be able to drive a truck or see what kind of cover it is what kind of hide there is and you might get back to camp two to three hours after dark and then we sit down and and uh figure out what everybody's got figure out the two options we're going with put a game plan together so say it's 11 o'clock mm. uh and 11 o'clock um We'll look at the weather, how far away it is from camp. Either we take off right then and go set them, or a lot of times anymore, we've just been getting up at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning and, and setting them right before the hunt. So four hours of sleep, if you go that route. It's yeah, I'd say that's tall. pretty pretty common. During duck season, I'm usually I'm usually in bed by 8 or 9, but I'm, I'm just an early riser. Even during duck season, if I don't have to be the lodge till five o'clock i'm usually up by two thirty or 3 doing emails drinking coffee and then you still gotta get the business side of it done and you know the house is quiet girls are sleeping so even when you don't have to sleep much you're only sleeping six hours or so yeah i'm i've never never been a, a great sleeper i don't make it very long at night but i'm always up early early in the morning and you feel good every day like i it, I, I get crabby after a while yeah, see, I'm I'm weird, I guess. I'll know, like, if I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll know within five seconds opening my eyes if I can, you know, go to the bathroom and fall back to sleep or if it's for good. And 99 times out of 100, it, it's for good. And when I wake up, I feel great. So that's the, that's the good thing. I mean, they're, you know, late afternoons when it's hot like this, you know, heat indexes are over 100. They get they get to wearing on you a little bit. But like I said, I don't, don't make it up past nine o'clock real awesome so you're not watching much netflix at night yeah no the good thing is with not having very good service or internet or anything out here i can't even get netflix so <laughs> i uh I, i'm now i'm a netflix junkie now uh ozark is my new show which Missouri. yeah we did watch that we, we've got pretty good service down the lake we try to watch some stuff and we're down there you watched ozark yeah. What did you yeah. think? What did you? We got a mix. We got a mix. Me and Jeff are not on the same page. The about first Ozark. season was very good. After I that, I didn't it. like it. I lost interest. I loved it. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was it was pretty darn good. And the last whatever they call them series or season or whatever was pretty darn pretty darn good. It's interesting. See there. We got a place down like the Ozarks. I mean, that, there's nothing about that show that that is like Lake of the Ozarks except maybe like the. The old Ozarks, like in the seventies or something like that. But now, I mean, it's changed so much. I mean, people that that look at it that, that don't know the Lake of the Ozarks, are like, oh wow, look at that place. You now it's kind of kind of run down or whatever. I mean, now heck, there's 
two, three, four million dollar houses on every point. I mean, basically ninety miles of houses and restaurants and boats. So it's not a rundown, rundown shithole like they make it look like. No, 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 not at all. Hey, uh, I I brought this up this morning, Dandy. Do you remember The Sopranos? Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think that is the greatest series ever. Andy was like the Ozarks greatest series ever. I said no, it's, not even close. It's a, such a good series. The one uh, I didn't get to watch very many of them. I watched a couple. Uh, Yellowstone. That's a very that good was, series. That looks really cool to me, but I, I like to watch it sometimes, but I haven't yet. You got to stay up past nine o'clock, and that's that's not going to happen with two kids in the house. I, I hate to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to tell you. Th- that's the best series on TV right now. Yellowstone, no doubt about it. Well, it's good. And you know what's sad is Kevin Costner plays a man's man to be such a liberal twat that he is in real life. Yeah. Yeah. But his character is is 100% my kind of person on the TV show. What a good series. So what do you do for fun then? You, I mean, you don't you don't watch a whole lot of TV. What what's your uh what's your fun time? Hey, my fun doing what I what I've already done tomorrow. I already sprayed Spray one load and just load it up spray to go do another one. I mean, playing in the dirt. I mean, that's what I like to do. When we can get away, we, we get down the lake, you know, in summer, and girls swim and swimming pools, swimming in the lake, all that stuff. And I love that. Get to grandparents. And uh, but really, I mean, there's not a whole lot not fun about what we get to do every day, playing in the dirt, go hunting. When, when, when your hobby is your job, life's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, same with me. I mean, people are like, well, what do you do? Oh, we, we hunt, but yeah, but that's your job. Well, that's kind of was a hobby that I got into. It is my job, but I don't consider I haven't been to work very many days. There are some days it's been a fucking job, I can tell you that much, but the average day for me is not really like going to work. Yeah, absolutely. You done any fishing this spring? Well, a little bit, not near as much as normal. I mean, that people corona thing kicked off normally like we wrap up snow goose season about mid-march and uh you know we don't start planting anything till end of april first part of may so it's a pretty good time there where where uh you know just kind of getting equipment ready but going down the lake a lot and that's you know bass are pre-spawn crops you pre-spawn my dad's down there and fish a lot with it but this year that didn't happen we didn't even see them until after memorial day jeez that's that's so that's so tough to do. I mean, it's a bad deal that we're we're in the midst of. Um, so what do you got going on now? It's 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 mid July. When uh, what what's the next month and a half look like for Tony Vandemore? Uh, things are things are busy. I mean, it's probably my busiest time of year. Uh, I mean, the, the crops are crops are easy. You know, you plant them, you spray them, and that's about it. But managing the the moist soil wetlands—they're the ones that take work. Uh, I mean, they're they're wetlands for a reason. They're tough to dry out. They're tough to work in. So, doing a lot of spraying right now, uh, trying to kill non-desirable plants, and then let the you know use the chemical to that'll release the good stuff: the natural millet, the sedges. Uh, a lot of spraying right now. A lot of mowing. Got a work weekend coming up. We always try to do at least one a summer, where all the boys come back in. And, we build blinds and, and do things that I, you know, I can't do by myself, but it's fun to get everybody in town in the in the off season. I mean, 
we definitely get some work done, but have a good time too. You know, big barbecue, smoke a bunch of food, and just shoot the breeze when we're not like straight up working in the fall, running running gas. Uh, then you know, really, like you said, your dove season six weeks away. Our teal season basically, you know, eight weeks away. So middle of August, I'm starting to put water on stuff. Um, it's a great time of year. It's exciting. That first time you put a well on for the year, it's like all right, it's, the season's about here. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, was you, before we let you go, how was your teal season last year? Last year, we we didn't get a fresh crop of birds. Our opening weekend was really good, and then it got hot in September. We never got any new birds. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I've noticed that honestly in the last the last handful of years up here. Used to be, you know, in the early two thousand, they they opened early, and you could just. I mean, you could set your clock on it. I mean, on opener, it was going to be unreal. I mean, there was going to be a pile of teal here. The seasons were great. And I think that even the teal are, are coming down a little bit later anymore. Our second week has been better than our first week the last several years. And right after season closes is when we've had our most tier. Right. We've had the most tier. Um, this year, we moved back uh, five or six days anyway. We don't close till the 27th of September, which is the latest I can ever remember. I'm kind of excited about this year. Yeah, that, that, that might work out in your favor. What do you think the migration is going to look like if Canada uh, does not allow American hunters up there? You think we're going to see more birds here in the States? or and I don't, How do you think that's going how, to shake out? I don't know how we can. I think people are going to underestimate, severely underestimate how many young birds get killed in Canada, whether it's lessers, snows, ducks, honkers. Uh, I think there's going to be a noticeable, noticeable difference in in the ducks that you do have, as far as uh, you know how cooperative they are. Personally, that could be could be way off, but I don't know how how you could read into it any different. I mean, there's going to be a pile of birds that don't get killed in Canada this fall, and you know if they get the weather, they're going to come south. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. I think it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, if the can- Canadian border does not open. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of young ducks that uh, are cruising around up there that get shot right before daylight that, you know, have never seen a spinner or anything like that. And, I mean, that's just yep. that's just shooting fish in a barrel. And I think that could come down south. Kind of, kind of like last year, uh, you know, I said that we had tens and tens of thousands of ducks way early, you know, the end of October, uh, middle of October. And I think we're going to see that again this year. Uh, a lot of that comes from, at least from what I've picked up on, whenever the Dakotas carry the brunt of the production and they have a bumper bumper crop up there, uh, they don't they don't take pressure as well. I don't think. I mean, I think first ducks we see are raised in the state, mm-hmm. and they have a, a big production year. Our early part of the season is phenomenal. I mean, we had a zillion ducks here last year the end of October, season wasn't open, but talking to buddies in Arkansas, that they had the same thing. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of ducks raised in the state, and, and they move they move early. They, they're more, I think, personally, they, they migrate more on the hours of light of the day than the big, you know, birds raised way up in the Boreal Forest in northern Canada. Those are more, I think, weather-driven ducks. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, we get speckle bellies. Same time every year. October 15th, we got 10,000 specs here, and then it grows every day. And it's yep. just, it's, it's, it's hours in the day. We're, uh, we're almost through it all. 
We're almost through it all. We got about six more weeks. You got about eight. Like you said, you start flipping on wells. What mid mid August? Yep. It's it's yep, it's, it's right around the corner. Right around the corner. I hope everything settles down with Rona and all that, and everybody's ready to have a good fall. I know I'm looking forward to it. I think we need hunting season more this year than we ever have before. I mean, we we just need something that will take everybody's mind off of what's going on. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, gotta have something. I mean, look at this. We have we haven't had any sports. I mean, how different is this fall going to be with the college football disaster? Good lord. Mm. I you you watch college football though. You don't watch too much of the pros, right? Yeah, I don't care too much of the pros, but I've been a Notre Dame fan as long as, as long as I live, and trust me, that's hard to do. We haven't been very good for quite a while. <laughs> They're going to be undefe- but, they might be undefeated this year. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's just going to be. I mean, all college football, not just Notre Dame. I just love watching college football. I mean, quarterbacks take a hit. I mean, it, it's still the you know the it's still the game at that point. It ain't all about money, which that might change. But yeah, it's going to be different. What do you think about their their? their I guess college athletes are about to get paid. What do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, I was a was a college athlete at one point. Not on that level. I mean, a little crappy P2 school. Uh, I don't think it's probably a great idea, personally. Mm-hmm. I think it takes, away, it takes away from the game. I mean, you're supposed to curb yourself in college, and honestly, you're supposed to you're supposed to get an education. That sounds kind of cliche. I mean, you're supposed to at least get a degree. I mean, that's going to help you out through the rest of your life. I think a lot of these kids are going to be spending more time marketing themselves and worried about education and that sort of thing, and I think I think it's going to bring in some divide even among among the teammates. Like, hey, uh, Andy just got a contract with Nike for a million bucks, and they're giving me twenty five grand a year. I mean, what this is BS. So then they go stand up and at a party afterwards, or something. There, you know, there's a division there. You know, hey, this this guy's the hot stuff. This guy doesn't make nothing, and I think it's too early in life. I mean, a lot of those kids don't wouldn't know what to do with that kind of money if they had it. That's exactly right. That's I exactly when right. I remember when I played ball, I mean, the, the kids that would get drafted in the first round out of high school and signed for a million and a half, I mean, they'd show up the next year at spring training and, and you'd have to buy them dinner because they were broke. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> I signed for a Big Mac and a plane ticket. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm against them paying paying any kind of college kid to play. They got a springboard on life. You can't tell me that if you go to Alabama and you play football, and I don't give a shit if you ever see the football field, you're a third string center. You still will have doors open for you because you played football at Alabama. Yeah, and you got a free education. And it is crazy because there's so much money in collegiate sports anymore for the universities and whatnot. But whatever, man, leave it. Leave it for the universities or have the universities start doing reinvesting more of the back into the, the university itself instead of just the sports program. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying having having these young kids get paid in college. I think the, the game itself is going to suck. And we're going to know it because it's going to be the reason. Now, remember, I'm a Notre Dame football fan, so the reason pro, sport, pro football stinks to me is when was the last time you saw uh, an NFL quarterback run the option. Greatest play in football history ever. 
and they're never going to run it because the quarterback's not going to get hit. <laughs> right. In college football, at least your quarterbacks are going to put their head down, take a hit. They're going to run an option. I mean, there's, they're doing it because they're they're tough and they want the chance to to move on. They want to be the best they can be. They're not sliding and doing all this other crap. Ends up looking like flag football. <laughs> it's going to be. It, it, I I see what you mean. Um, you know. On one hand, I can see where some of the players might want to get paid, but I think it will will create a lot of division in the locker room. Like you said, one guy gets more money, and, and they don't see that he's quite worth it. So it's going to be an interesting thing if, if they start uh, start paying these athletes. They say that yeah. if, if, they, if they don't play college football this year, there's only 10 universities that can survive without the money that football brings in for their other sports programs. If it wow. wasn't for football – all the other colleges, the rowing, volleyball, softball, baseball, everything. There's only 10 colleges that can financially afford to go without playing college football and still be able to keep their other sports programs. Holy cow. That's how much money there is in college football. So I don't, I don't know what to say other than I love college football. It's going to be a different fall. Well, it's just it's it's such a fun time, you know. September's here. You're kicking everything off. You got Saturday. You got hunters in. You know, Saturday, you're watching football around all your old clients that you see that time of year every year. And it's just this hunting season will be it'll be a weird year if there's no college football on on Saturday mornings. Yeah, exactly. You said it. That's what I grew up doing: hunting with family, going and watching football the rest of the day. And and now that we've got lodges and stuff, I mean, the lodge is never more fun than it is on Saturday afternoon when there's yep. A big schedule of good games. I mean, it is rocking. All the different TVs got different games on. People are in from all over the country rooting for this team, rooting against that. I mean, it's just a lot of ribbon and a lot of just blast, man. Do you notice that there's always the one guy in every group that takes the brunt of the takes the brunt of the shit? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does every year, and he, it's the same guy every single year. He's always got that X on his back. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, we had. We, we get a lot of we've had a lot of people from Alabama. They're just one group, man. They come with us. They come with us every year. Rent the whole lodge out, and they are a blast. Bunch of great guys. But man, I I've never been so close to seeing grown men cry last year when <laughs> Alabama got they were here. Holy cow! <laughs> they take it personal, don't they? they? Yeah, they take they take the football way serious. Pretending <laughs> Alabama should, you know, they they dominate. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I'm basically just. Waiting for the wheels to fall off the bus at some point every season, so it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, man. Well, Tony, we uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, we know you got a lot of shit going on right now, so we wish you the best. I hope that uh, hope that everything works out in your favor and uh, you get to shoot some ducks this year. Hopefully, we yeah, all get to shoot some ducks. Good luck. Good luck, and have a great season. All right. Hey, you too, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you as always, bud. Stay safe. We'll see you, Tony Vandemore. I was—that's what I was interested in—was the Canada deal, and they hadn't heard nothing from the Canadian government. It's just they're just sitting on them. Yeah, that's a bad deal. I mean, I couldn't imagine. I mean, we're six weeks away, basically. Six weeks away. I got did. He sent me a letter last night and said they sold three hundred thousand saltwater licenses. Six weeks away, and I couldn't imagine just being. I mean, and we're kind of in the dark here. Whenever you, po- I had never thought of what until you posted that about being an interstate ban. Mm. 
I mean, New Mexico's got a two-week quarantine. If you go to New Mexico from any other state, to quarantine two weeks. But I don't think they're stopping people in the interstate yet. But they're they not could. stopping people, but, I mean, they could. Yes. And, I mean, Louisiana, back in March, we weren't – Texas was not allowing anybody in from Louisiana. Well, I, I don't know if they weren't allowing people in, but there was a quarantine yeah, I, the, period. The issue's going to be – and Kansas did this during turkey season. They, they quit selling right. out-of-state license. Yeah. And so they could stop selling out-of-state license. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, I have a lot of faith we live in Texas. Our governor's getting kind of tough right now, but a lot of it is because Houston and San Antonio, and the big fine. cities' hospitals are, are getting more and more people in them. Lock it, lock it down regionally. Don't, that, don't I, paint with a wide brush here. I, well, he, he's given the option of the, if you got less than 20 in your county, and he has given options. He said if we don't wear the mask, we're going to be faced with another lockdown. I'd rather shut down on July 21st to August 15th than I would after that. But yeah, I but you're I, saying that from a selfish perspective. Exa- what, if, exactly. what if somebody's what if somebody's game time is July fifteenth to August? No, no, 15th? no, no. You're right. That's what I'm saying. That's right. I am. That's exactly right. Um, I think that we're going to see some blue states. It's not going to let people hunt this year. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, California doesn't ban people from fucking going fishing. Yeah. A family has a boat. You put it in the ocean and you go fishing, and that's going to that's, that's fucking stupid. Um. The governors, the mayors, they all have hard decisions to make. Oh, absolutely. And there's nobody's going to agree with them on everything because everybody's just like I was a minute ago. Everybody thinks of their own personal deal. Like, Well, and nobody knows. Nobody has an accurate finger on the pulse. There's not an answer. You, just like Tony said, you got, you got three of the top virologists, however you say that word, virologists in yeah. the country that say this is how you get it. And then you got Fauci that says this is how you get it. And it's nope. just, Nobody knows. That's who we should see debate, not Trump and Biden. We should see... Top doctors in the country, all sitting at a table, and all debate on on the facts of this and the death rate and the cases that you see, and how you get it, wearing a mask. That's that's who we should see go at it on live television. I'm not disagreeing with you. Make it happen, Jeff. We, we have got as a country, everybody's everybody's selfish in their own deal. I wasn't that upset when we were shut down in May because it really wasn't costing us a lot of money. Right. Or June. Right. Or, or July. But when July gets here and we're starting to talk about it, then I start thinking, oh, shit, we're getting close to September. When now, August. We've got we've got dove hunts. We run a lot of dove hunts. It's going to cost us a lot of money if, if it would happen in September. I don't think we've got to worry about that this year. I really don't. But I'm thinking, man, what if I was in Canada? Right. And I had 12 guys up there at $3,000 for three days. That's $36,000 over three days. That's $72,000 a week. Yeah. Fuck. You don't have to. You don't have to miss very many of them weeks to realize your your ass is in trouble. Yeah. And then so. this is this is from the the outfitter side for people that aren't in the hunting business that just just are hunters that listen to this. Ninety nine percent of the people on here are not in the hunting business that listen to this. That's seventy two thousand dollars. If they run six weeks, that's four hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of income that's coming into these guys. Well, they've probably already collected two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars of that. And that's how they get through all the summer. They pay all their bills. They order all their food, do everything for the year. And then they're down to about almost broke when hunting season starts. And then when hunting season starts, they collect all that second half of the money. They pay all their employees, and they get off what they make at the top. That's basically how that works. Well, they've paid all that half money. They've lived on it this year. They've gotten everything ready to go. They're about out of money, and now hunting season is going to get here, and they're not going to get the second half. But this is what the kicker is. Next year – they're going to carry all them deposits over, and next year they're going to be broke the whole time through summer trying to get to next year just to survive to collect that second half of the money. 
Yeah. And it's a bad deal. And I feel sorry for them guys. And I know there's a lot of guys in Canada probably are saying, hey, you got to have your money in by August 1st for this year because they make them pay in full a lot of them. Yeah. Especially a lot of the guys that keep the money in America. And guys are thinking, fuck, am I going to send the second half of my money for August 1st? I know, I know damn well they're not going to be shut down, but I got to send them $1,500 to keep my spot. Yeah. It's a, it's a very tricky slope. And it, it's a tough, tough, tough deal. And I feel sorry for them guys. But I think some of that's going to trickle, trickle into America in some places. Um, I don't know how they can keep you from hunting on private land. I just don't know how they can do it. And the Constitution, right? I, and I think it's going to come down to local law enforcement. <clears throat> Is your local guy going to say, hey, you can't do this or you can't do that? And like, hey, I'm my way of make a living. You know, and then you're going to have other guys that are going to be headstrong and say, fuck it, we're going to shut them down just because we can. And it's and and then that's another thing. That's another problem that we run into. You see so many guys that are like, I'm I'm not gonna wear a mask. I'm not I'm, I'm not gonna comply. And then me, I'm just like, what the hell do I do? I wear a mask anywhere they tell me to, just well, because I, I, that's the rules, and I, I don't want to fight it. Your mom, though, on the other hand, yeah, she wants to fucking always be against her constitutional rights. I mean, I wear a mask. I don't mind wearing a mask if it truly helps, but. We yeah, just even don't if, know if it's true. But, but how far, what I don't know is how far How far do we let them push things before we push back? Well, that's the thing. Everybody says, well, it's just a mask right now, but what if in three months they say you have to have a vaccine and you got a card to show that you had a vaccine before you can come in? Right. You know, Then we have went to a whole other level of shit. Do you remember a couple podcasts ago I said you get to hell one step at a time? I've, yes, you did say that. And, and you didn't believe me? I never said I didn't believe you. You thought I, I said that we're not fucking like. You Germans. thought I was full of shit. No, I, I said, said this ain't like Hitler. I said you get to hell one step at a time. You move the. You say you say yes one time when you should have said no, and then all of a sudden, you got to say yes again because. You also compared somebody to Hitler. And I don't remember what it was exactly. But this is how this is how, and that's what I'm saying. Like we so, know history. We've seen history. So you're going to get a chip because you're going to quit using coins, right? No. <laughs> Your fucking brother. Don't don't even way I Pizza Hut has gone cashless. Okay. Yes. Credit card only. So Tony shares Tony shares an article and says, Wake up, people. They're wanting to put a chip in you. I don't know how he goes from Pizza Hut going yeah. cashless to there's gonna be a vaccine with a chip in your forehead. I used my credit card this morning, they didn't ask me for a chip. <laughs> and that's what Facebook is just killing everything. The, the cash because there's so many people that that just spout nonsense like this. The cash thing, and I explained to him this morning at six thirty on the phone. I said, "Listen, I said he's. What well, do you think? You, you couldn't sleep last night because the cash thing. <laughs> no, had nothing to do with it. I said my thoughts on the cash deal is if I owned a franchise and I could take credit cards, and that's all I had to do. That's what I would do because I don't have to worry about somebody stealing my money. I don't have to worry about some nineteen year old fucking." Kid that's count. a night, ma- night manager fucking up the count and then going to the bank and losing 15000 in cash. Mm-hmm. It's all done there. I said, it's real simple. I can see why they're doing that. They, their loss does not, the 1.5% they pay MasterCard, they make up way for on the other stuff. So well, And let's face it, they've got so many accountants that they're, they're maxed out on the benefits they can get from the IRS. They're not skimming off the top from the IRS. Pizza Hut, their books are probably pretty pristine. Yeah, everybody else is trying to take cash off the top. Everybody else wants cash, but yeah. a big franchise like Pizza Hut or McDonald's, yeah. like they're on the up and up. Yeah, cash is welcome here. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> um, but 
so, I mean, it's not like they're trying to, you know, manipulate a thing here or two by getting cash or, or whatever because they got too much to lose if they screw the IRS. I haven't seen bad. a mom and pop store yet have that sign up. No. Somebody said went to Dollar General in Wichita Falls and they kept um, rounding it up. That'd be yeah. $3.10. Okay, if that'd be $4. Well, they said there's a, a coin shortage. Yeah, they're not going to round down. <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. I ain't paying you four fucking dollars. I'm buying 90 cents more worth of shit. Right. I'd be like, oh, that's 401. You owe me $5 now. Fuck. And had to give me some more shit. <laughs> But uh, that I guess there's a coin shortage. How there's a coin shortage because of the Rona, I, I get, don't I don't know. I guess they're uh, the mint's not working. But I didn't know oh. they had to make new coins all the fucking time. What happens either. to all of them? I'll tell you what happens to them all. Yeah, I got fifty thousand dollars worth of fucking coins at my house because I, I stick them in big containers. Right. And mom's like, you need to go to cash those in. Yeah. I told her all the time. Well, that's our savings. <laughs> as long as we have that, we're not broke. But seriously. Who the fuck wants to carry in 100 pounds of fucking coins? Right. Because I always make fun of people that do that shit. I'll see him at the casino, and there'll be some dude pull out $14 worth of fucking coins out of his car, and he's got fucking cash. gum wrappers and shit all in it, and he throws it on the plate, and I'm like, fuck. Here, dude, here's 20 bucks. Let me have my place in line and get the hell out of the way. Maybe he's laundering money. Listen, at I watched $14 the o- <laughs> at a time, he's not. I watched the Ozark. I, I, I know all about it now. And then I saw I, at the casino across from Wichita one day, I was in there, and the guy come in, he had a dolly. Like a a, a mm-hmm. two wheeler, mm-hmm. and he had bags of coins. Ooh. Yeah, he weighed a couple hundred pounds worth of coins, and he was in front of me in line. I was like, "Fuck this!" Another lady goes, "You can come over here." And I went over there. I go, "What's he doing?" She goes, "We don't charge nothing for it." She goes, "We just throw him through a hopper and give him what it is." If he goes to a bank, they're gonna charge him, you know, one percent or something. I thought, no shit. I was like, well, I ain't doing that it's shit. A dollar. Well, no, he probably this guy probably had seven eight hundred dollars worth of coins. That's seven dollars. Well, he didn't want to bring. He didn't want to lose seven bucks. Hmm. I mean, if the casino's going to do it for free, then that's that's their policy. Have you though. noticed the bank, if you ever pulled in something like that, them ladies work there, be like, Fuck. Oh, they're pissed. They want you to sort it out. Yeah, I don't ever sort shit out. I, I just don't want to fucking do it. And now the bank lobbies are closed. Yeah, they just reclosed. City Hall, I'm fixed to go. I got court here in a minute. You're going to do it all... It's all in... I can't come see me now. All outside? You talk to them through the kiosk? Or there what? won't be nobody come up there. Oh. I won't speak to nobody today. You just gonna? I'll sit in my office and go through all the books. But and how would you set do all it? the fines and shit? How would you do it? You oh, would I've, go to the window. I've done that before. Are and y'all it, taking cash at the city hall? Uh, yes. Hmm. We'll wash it first. Don't touch it. Put it in the dryer. I don't like, touch any of that like money. Marty Bird does it's, it's on Ozark. It's against the law for me to touch money. Oh really? Yeah. Really? Well, yeah. It, if you went to a ju- I had pay the lady. One of Zach's friends got a ticket one time. Yeah. He'd come to the house and bring me the cash. I can't give that to me. Well, why not? Well, I understand I you your house. I said, you can't give me the cash. I just don't. I have touched cash before at City Hall many times, but I don't. If people pay their bills and stuff, and I've been there walking through there, and nobody else is there, and I'll help. But I was mayor then, too. I don't touch my. I don't have to do that shit. I ain't doing that. Pay the lady at the front. Yep, she can take care of it. Hmm. She has her system, and I don't jack with it. She's my second wife. She gets on to me worse than your mom does. Words to live by. All right, everybody. Well, we hope uh, hope everything's going good for you. It is it's about six weeks away. We get started up. September 1 will be here before we know it. We hope everybody's staying safe. Uh, wash your hands and uh, keep fighting the good fight, I guess. Go vote today. In it's Texas. Yeah. Vote for sure. I don't know what other states are voting today, but in Texas. I'm going to go vote for Ronnie Jackson. I sure am, too. Bye, guys. Peace. Bye.